Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back, folks. We are joined by Sheriff Susan Hudson. Sheriff Hudson is the sheriff of the Orleans Parish uh, Sheriff's Office, and their primary obligation is the keeper of the jail as well as uh, service of court process and, and a number of other disciplines that they perform as well. And she joins us. Sheriff, welcome to the show. Hey, good afternoon, Sheriff. How are you? Doing well. Let me first give you the opportunity. I know you just recently made a presentation to the Budget Committee of the New Orleans City Council uh, asking for a number of things, and I'd like to give you the opportunity to uh, kind of articulate that so that our listening audience gains a better understanding of what you're asking for. Well, Sheriff, can I just take a moment of privilege and just talk about our Thanksgiving Day special first? Absolutely. I was going to go there next, but that's... That's oh, fine. Go you. ahead. No, you can thank start you, with that. You. Go ahead. Great. Um, so as you know, uh, it will be our 49th annual Sheriff's Thanksgiving celebration, and that will be on Thanksgiving Day from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Ernest Morial Convention Center in Hall G. Uh, and we're going to have, you know, over probably close to 100 volunteers, and we're going to serve around 2,000 meals on that day to those who need it most in our city. So we're excited about that. We're going to have uh, the Queen of Gospel, Irma Thomas, Grammy Award-winning artist Leo Nocentelli, uh, vocalist and trumpeter James Andrews, and violinist Michael Ward, as well as the OPSO Reserve Band led by Earl Smith and many more. So we're really excited about that. Uh, we want to thank all of our sponsors, too, which is our OPSO Special Reserve Unit, our Summit Food Services, Gen's Care, AT&T, Aetna, Humana, and the Metropolitan Health Human Services District, all who have played a role in um, – and, and making sure that happens. So, again, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Thanksgiving Day in uh, the Convention Center, Hall G. Absolutely. I've actually served meals there many times myself. Uh, early it's a great on event. My, great event. It, it, it absolutely is. So let's get to the, uh, the budget numbers. Yes. Yeah, you know, when I got into office, I knew the basics of the sheriff's office, but we really are, uh, as you know, sheriff, because you, you also did this, it, we sit at the heart of the criminal justice system. The data that we use is used by everybody in the system, from the police department to the courts to the clerk. Um, we support all those services, keep people here safe so they can go to trial, make sure trials can go off. Uh, we serve victims uh, of and survivors of crime. As you know, uh, there are a lot of organizations that deal with victims, but sheriff's offices have to actually submit those applications and, and advocate for those victims. So 
just a lot of work that this little agency does, and we're only at around 60% staffing. It's around 45 to 50 when I got in. So the $2.43 we got last year was great, but I need that another $2 an hour. Get us to that 20 rate, which is, which is a national average, uh, and that will bring up the opening salary to around 43000 per year. And that's really going to help close that compensation gap for our deputies who just do everything, everything for us. What was the reaction of the budget committee? Um, they uh, was, I thought it was good. They asked about a few other things. So one of the biggest questions they asked about was our reentry programming. Uh, we got some funds from Congressman Troy Carter to do that, but that's the only funds we really have in the budget for it. So they wanted to talk about perhaps funding that more. Um, they wanted to talk about more programming for residents, you know, trying to reduce the rate at which they get arrested. I think we've been showing that since I've been in office, it's between eight and nine times people in our jail have been arrested. So they really want us to work on that, and we are all for that. But as you know, Sheriff, you can't have people coming in the jail, visiting with residents, dealing with them without having deputies there. That's the key to everything. How is it, though, with the limited assets and resources that you have that any of y'all would have a desire to make that a priority? I mean, the reality is, is the basic functionalities of the office need to go on uh, throughout this entire process. And if you don't have the dollars available to do that, why would y'all be thinking about other programs? Um, Well, we believe it, it helps drive the violence in the jail, drive it down, having more deputies there, number one. But also well, having given them something but that, to do. That's also. that's one of the primary missions. But I'm talking about this reentry program and a lot of other stuff that that deals with the inmates. When you know every dollar you take to put into more of a social service program is one less dollar that goes to providing the safety and security of the inmates. Right. Well, we're not covering all the costs, but this is money that the congressman gave to us specifically for reentry work. So we're going to be evaluating programs that work. We don't want these folks to come back. Again, they've been arrested eight to nine times. We want them to get out there, be productive, tax-paying citizens, but and not come back. You're a jail. Uh, you know, the real goal is is to have them there in a shorter period of time, the throughput through the court system, if they're found guilty, to go to a prison where they can actually mandate and, and offer incentives for their involvement in these programs. But in a jail... You can't, and you can't compel them to do anything because they're innocent until proven guilty. So I, I no, just we're not compelling them. Yeah, but I, I understand. Know, but I mean, you know, the most success that we've had is when you, there's a carrot, and if you don't have the carrot and you don't have the the ability to offer the carrot, it doesn't work very well. And almost every study has shown uh, that's where they've had the most success. And I guess my whole theory here is is that. You ran on a platform of, of changing uh, the culture, but that still needs to require the basic responsibilities of the office. And, and every uh, budget uh, uh, testimony that I've heard you give is that you don't have the resources to do that. So, yeah, that's why we're asking for the raise, Sheriff. But we have to do both. We are human services. As you know, we're usually the biggest providers of mental health in the city. And we're the biggest providers of addiction help. So those are all things that you have to treat. And we've got to have but, the resources. But y'all, to are, y'all are fighting that, too. I mean, yeah, you know, not you necessarily. This has been going on for a long time. 
going back to the Landrieu administration about fi- fighting the mental health jail that that has now yeah. gone from thirty some odd million to over a hundred million dollars uh, to provide that. Uh, I've been completely mystified as to why anyone would want to be against that. Uh, there's no doubt that there's a large percentage of the inmates within your institution that have a mental health component, some more violent than others. You're never going to have enough mental health beds. The state does has. In my 40 years of law enforcement, the state has never had enough mental health beds. So it's not a question of that. It's just a question of being able to manage the population more effectively. But, you know, the other day I saw you out there with the advocate saying that, you know, their issue is your issue. You're opposed to the mental health facility. How do you explain that? Yeah, because we have enough room in this jail for all the people. And if we can provide um, mental health at a lower cost, um, it, with the services that we have. And people shouldn't be coming to jail to get mental health services. We need that out in the community. I don't want to be the provider of mental health care. But for those who have committed violent acts, we have a building right down the street that will house them, keep them safe, uh, keep them away from the general population. And we can do that for less than $20 million. I have plenty of room in this jail for, for the violent folks who are doing things that hurt our community, people who burn their children up and all, all these types of things. But we, for that special population, there's a building right down the street that we can give really good care and for less than $20 million. So I don't know why I'd want to do uh, build another building that I'm only at 60% staffing, and now what am I going to do, Sheriff? That's, that's really – Well, I mean, one, 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 obvious, one obvious answer is that it's co-located with your two primary incarcerated facilities right there, and I understand that – you know, your facilities lack a laundry and lack an infirmary, and that's supposedly going to be provided for in this in phase three as well, uh, which There's are two space. vital uh, functionalities. You know, when you bring in inmates to hospitals and bringing them back, that you have an infirmary set up where you can maintain them and, and provide the maintenance of them mm-hmm. for their medicines and things of that nature. I mean, Yes, um, yes, you're right, and you know that. But we have room in the big jail for the I, infirmary. How how and well we I know room, it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I said how well I know it. I mean, yeah, I just yeah. you know. But I mean, you say that they, you have room, but no one's built it. It's not there. There's still not a laundry. Y'all are still outsourcing laundry, and you know. So yeah, as you know, laundry can be a source of contraband and other issues in the jail. So I like the outsourcing a little bit better mm-hmm. right now. But we have room right in the jail, close, in fact, to the clinic that's in the jail, that we could expand into an infirmary and provide the care that we need. There is space to do that and at a much better cost for taxpayers. Now turn around and spend that 110, you know, give us the, about 30 million to do that and spend the other 80 on um, preventing people from becoming victims of crime. You know, we service victims as well and survivors. You, you do that. You did that as well as the sheriff. That is heartbreaking work. How about if we do something to try and limit the number of victims coming in? And we can do that. Well, Some of these are well, we didn't, crimes. we didn't, but we didn't run a lot of the social service programs because we recognize that, you know, we focus more on the efficiencies of the system to move people through because we were a jail, not a prison, um, and we recognized that we didn't have the assets or resources necessary to run a social service program in, inside of the jail. Uh, because we were, I mean, the public in Jefferson Parish, um, you were probably around because I think you and I graduated from Tulane Law School in the same graduating class. 
That's right. That's um, right, classmate. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're and, right. You know, so I know you are around. I mean, we had three tax propositions with one of the most popular sheriffs in the history of Jefferson Parish fail for jail. So the message was loud and clear that what the public wanted, and you've already had one fail, and I suspect that if you go back again, it's going to fail. (laughs) You have to learn Uh, lessons in politics, Sheriff. But let me say something. But I mean, but the the lessons learned is that it's a reprioritization and a focus on what the fundamental, basic, primary mission is of incarceration. And that's what we do every day. We do that every day, but we're adding on a piece, which is working with our community providers so that when they leave the jail, they hand off to somebody. So we're not the primary – we're not trying to get in the business of reentry. Our community is going to do that work, and then when they leave – because you know it, they'll walk out the door and have nowhere to go, no place to stay. But I also want to talk about something you emphasized, which is how well Jefferson Parish – and how efficient they are about running the jail. So you had a um, well. I, I mean, look. I, I, let me let me let me qualify. When you reach your limit, you could get people out. I don't have that same same um, system in place, but we're working on it. Well, the, the problem that 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 this and it's not your fault, but this agency has had that difficulty going back many many years. I mean, it it you yeah. you end up you will end up having to consume political capital. You will end up upsetting some of your base. You will end up upsetting a number of other bases like we did. When we developed the Code 6 objective criteria on how we were going to choose to release violent inmates, uh, it compelled a lot of people and a lot of efficiencies in the system. For example, I know that you have, like, on average 90 DOC inmates in your jail waiting to get into the state system. I could tell you that the first thing that we did is we went to the clerk's office because it was taking two and a half weeks to get commitment papers from them once they were sentenced in j- to jail. That's too long. That needed right, to be, like okay. you know, I'm, within, I'm with, within 48 to 72 hours. And then, you know, I was on a 120-day cycle with DOC. That was un- unacceptable. Uh, yeah. They needed to move out quicker because the only way that we can move you know, the, the docket, move the inmates, those that are found guilty, those that have to pay their debts to society is to move them through the system. Um, yeah. You know, it would be a lot greater if you could get your, your, your 90 down to 20. You're always going to have a number. You can't eliminate the lag. The lag's going to occur. But 70 more uh, impact player inmates in your jail and not out on the streets in New Orleans is huge. Huge. Yeah. Yeah, well, but, but Sheriff, as we've started really crunching the numbers, I put together a unit to specifically manage population because we have that criminal justice coordinating committee here in New Orleans, mm-hmm. and I needed the sure. data to be we able to one. talk to them. So DOC is one of them, but some of those are not ready to go. There's some people on remand. We have to do a better job of breaking down those numbers. But what we know is that there are people in here for state misdemeanors, and if we can get those people summonses, and they're not here for violent crime. We've got room for the 800 to 900 who are committing the violent offenses. But these 200 to 300, we are now going to be getting them to municipal court and getting them to court quicker and getting them out of our system quicker, that allows us to really hold the people who are doing, you know, the major uh, violent crime. So we're looking, we, but we're going to continue to drill down on those numbers. And I like what you said about dealing with the clerk, and we're going to follow up with our clerk as well about that. Uh, so I, I thank you for that. Yeah, I, I just, you know, I, you know, 
I guess at the risk of being, it's a suggestion. I mean, you know, when we went into 2008 with the financial crisis, nobody really knew how long that was going to last. We had more than 1,700 employees at the sheriff's office. And we went through a process in right-sizing the organization, eliminating whips, works and processes, and gaining a better understanding of what it was that we wanted to accomplish. And to this day, the staffing there is within 10 people of what it was in two in 2008 roughly around 1490 people and and i really believe well it, as it relates to just pure jailers when i left was about 345 350 wow okay and so when i really believe and if i may be so bold as to suggest sheriff this is your opportunity to do the same thing. But it, it has to be devoid of the peripheral programs and the primary mission first. In yeah. order to gain a better understanding of your working capital needs that you need to make it through the year financially uh, mm-hmm. and, and everything else in the way that your revenue comes to you, because uh, not unlike the JPSO, it came at different times of the year. And you had yeah. to figure all of that out. I mean, for us, we figured out back then that I needed $22 million cash in the bank in order to make it through the through the year on a cash basis. It's probably yeah. a little more today. But, the, but without all of that, talking about a lot of these programs, you're just putting your toe in the water. And a lot of times they don't end up being a meaningful program because you're always robbing Peter to pay Paul. Yeah. And... You know, this is an argument. This is a thing separate and apart from whether or not someone would do it. I I applaud you for wanting to do it. You have a kind heart, and that's that's obviously readily apparent to everyone. The question is, can you afford your kind heart? And mm-hmm. you know, on on so many different fronts, and and that's the challenge. And, and you know, um, and I think that's why you've had a lot of folks myself included, you know, point out a lot of disappointment, whether it's hotel rooms or this or, you know, that or whatever it may be, uh, there has to be a sound exhibit of fiscal responsibility as a good fiscal steward, because once you lose the public's trust on that, you you couldn't sell them anything. Uh, And even if you do do it, you still may not sell it to them. Yeah, you know, well, is... you know, your point is well taken, Sheriff. That's what I've done the first 18 months at office is really, uh, really just drill down on safety in the jail. And we've been really working with that. But now we do feel like we're ready to take put our toe in the water, as you said, because it is it is pilot program. But it comes with evaluation as well. Uh, I believe Suno is going to do some evaluation for us to see, you know, how well it actually works so that we can go to the city council. And, and uh, Oliver Thomas and others were we're really receptive to that because um, so, so we're, we're putting our toe in the water to see what we can do because we're being asked. Our, as you know, the, the residents have but nothing to do all day. But think and about I don't want to belabor do the point. Be I don't want to belabor the point, but I just simply have to ask the question. When you're at 60 percent staffing, you can afford to do anything else? I mean, you know, it really requires a shock and awe response where you have to retract 
from what you're doing in order to get to your full staffing because you're almost at a full complement of inmates. And consider the following. We just hired uh, a new police chief, Ann Kirkpatrick. Mm-hmm. If she delivers a 5% efficiency improvement in the number of arrests uh, as it relates to offenses committed in this city, you are so underwater, you'll never get above water to take a breath. You will well, never be gonna... less you will never be less than the max number of inmates that you have in your facility. And facilities run at max a lot different than when they have a fifty to sixty or seventy inmate cushion. Yeah, so there's a lot more work we can do about population. We're just now really getting started on that. But we're going to stay with those numbers and stay moving people uh, that don't need to be in here out. And then I need a few deputies to be able to allow these programs to function. I'm not doing the programming. We're allowing our community to come do that. So it's not all on me to do that, to staff that. I just have to make sure they're safe when they come in the jail. We're going to be able to do that. We've got we're going to dedicate um, some deputies but to who, that. Who do, you, who do you believe who do you believe doesn't belong in your jail? Uh, we got a bunch of misdemeanors. So we got people who will be in here for things like theft. Sometimes it's like some criminal damage, some stuff like that. That ordinarily you're going to serve a very little time and keep moving. Um, and they and have a bond. A they have a bond set on them, yeah. and they've not been able to bond out and. and and we're totally Mostly, comfortable yeah. with their criminal history as well? I'm sorry, I said, well, they, mostly it's they just can't afford it. Uh, they can't afford to get out. And so that well, what's we're, a, we're what's really a criminal, trying to What's their criminal history uh, about? Um, they vary. You know, on average, people have been, again, arrested at least eight times, but we don't have their convictions. I don't have all their convictions. So we're, a lot of them are eligible to just be going over to municipal court, and we've worked with the uh, district attorney and the public defender to do that to get them their day in court a little quicker. And I, I don't mean to be critical, but you don't think that it's a problem to say uh, I've got inmates in here that I don't believe should be here. Oh no, I don't think it's a problem. We, we you, sure if you did the same thing, we're mental health providers. People are in here simply because of mental health. Uh, some of their uh, charges are things that are associated with not having money and not having a place to live. And when they go out the door, they're trying to find a way to uh, figure out where they're going to go, how they're going to eat, how they're going to survive. And so we, we, they don't need to be here. We need those to hand those off to services out in the community, and we want to work hand-in-hand hand with them. We don't do that work. We want to hand it off to them so they don't come back here. Uh, uh, you, of your yeah. roughly 1,190 inmates, how many of those fit in that category? That misdemeanor is probably 200 to 300, um, and at one point it was almost 400. So that's a number of people that if we can get this program really moving and we're putting the resources to it and already starting to transfer them, uh, but we, there's just a little more work we have to coordinate with the city on the building, we're going to be able to really, I think, impact our population and get it to the right number, the violent guys who are doing this really violent things. 
we got to get to a break. 504-260-1870. We'll be right back, folks. We're visiting with Sheriff Susan Hudson, the sheriff of Orleans Parish. Stay with us. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, folks. We're visiting with Sheriff Susan Hudson, Orleans Parish Sheriff. Sheriff, yesterday, um, federal judge Afric adopted Magistrate North's recommendations relative to the mental health jail um, denying... um, your request what is your next step do we move on do we help facilitate and, and get this mental health jail bill yeah i'm going to consult with our lawyers on that um we are not done i haven't had a chance to look at the order and they haven't haven't had a chance to brief me about next steps but this is worth fighting for uh, 115 million dollars right now out of this budget taking it from ems from fire from uh, children's services, senior services. I don't believe that's necessary for me to have a constitutional jail. Uh, and with, for about, like I said, for about $30 million, we can provide really good care for, uh, at another building down the street. Um, and we can also shore up this building, which even if they build this one, I still have to do something about this building right here, which was built in such a way that it's just being dismantled and, and used for weapons. So it, we want to use the taxpayer dollars efficiently, and I believe we've got a plan in place to do that. Uh, so I'm going to sit out and talk with our lawyers, and then we'll move forward. And I know you didn't create this scenario, and I just want to make that clear because this started well before you. But if you went back in time and, and this facility could still be constructed for around that $40 million number, most of which was going to be dollars provided for by FEMA, would you do it? Um, Sheriff, I don't think so, just because of the staffing issue. I am so concerned. We went to the architect's office and did a walkthrough, a um, virtual walkthrough. The square footage is enormous. And as you know, where you have people who are living, uh, wherever residents live in the jail, 
There's going to be the opportunity for contraband, for violence, for all these things to go on. So it's just more square footage I've got to be worried about with this staffing level. So if I was fully staffed, okay, maybe I'd be like, yeah, I'm looking forward to this laundry and whatnot. Uh, but an actual another custodial facility, that's uh, that's just not something I, I could agree agree upon. But when you look at your your own classification of uh, the risk classifications of your inmates, um, you don't think it's worthy. I mean, you have according to your presentation to the budget committee 992 high security score 20 plus i don't i'm not sure what is the highest number in your classification um right it seems to me that you have pretty much the worst of the worst 232 with a psychiatric disorder i'm not sure how many have a serious psychiatric disorder 286 on a medical alert and 183 suicide alerts yeah. Um, so, you know, our classification system is heavily scrutinized by our consent decree monitor. So we, we work with them very closely on that. And as you know, residents play games. They're trying to get moved to a different pod or get by somebody. So they try to manipulate the system. So that's a constant thing. But it's around 800 to 900 who are, who are really committing crimes, uh, serious violent crimes. And we have room for them in the main jail. It's less than 60 people who have acute mental illness, seriously uh, mentally ill, and have committed violent acts. And we can take care of them. About half of them right now are down at our temporary mental health health, uh, hospital at the other end of our property. But if we go ahead and retrofit or um, refinish another pod that we have down there for work release, if we were to refinish that, we could put all of them down there, and it is close and effective supervision, which you need for that population until they can go to the state or the state hospital or wherever they're going to end up going. Uh, it's re- there's no overdoses down there, very little violence down there. It is really close and effective supervision of residents. That's what I want. And so that's about $30 million to do those things and to, and to fix the issues at the big jail. Yeah, I just kind of curious as to how long this goes on and how much money is spent and and the lack of um, attention to to this issue. I mean, I, you know, back when this was first proposed, I said then, and I would say it again today, and I've said it on the show many times that you could be the mental health hub uh, in so many different respects right there, uh, knowing that that we have a mental health. Um, delivery system here in this city that's distressed um, yeah it's, you know you, it's you, you're talking, back, you you talk a lot about you know the re-entry program and what you want to do with with inmates and and the like uh, the reality is that that may be one of the most important exercises that there is to do in in that jail because they actually present they, they end up being a cog in the wheel in the system of justice because of the because of their disability yeah and, they go back and, and forth they become, to the state hospital they, for they become hard, harder to deal with so the the more intrusive mental health services that you can provide the more efficient the system becomes i mean i, I you know i've seen mental health efficiency studies i'm familiar with the san diego model of what's going on there i'm familiar with a number of other models that i have actually visited that have, have evidence-based outcomes that 
largely depend on a facility very similar to what's being proposed here. But, I, you know, I, I don't know. Let me ask you, let's flip, you know, that you've, you've faced a number of controversies, one being this, this hotel room thing. Um, what do you say to, to, to detractors about that? Um, can I just follow up on that last thing? First of all, I don't want to be the mental health provider. I want them to build resources outside. I don't want you to have to go to jail to get mental health. So I, if the city will take this 150, if we can win, and it's a long shot, but we're going to fight. Um, but and you, if don't we can have, win you don't that, have, that you don't have a choice. You, you're acting as though you have a choice. You uh, take them as they, you take them with oh, all yeah. their warts. I mean, that, that oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. you don't have a choice. You, but we you're do have a choice with... if we treat them out in the community first, Sheriff. You know that. If, if I can keep you from getting – there's ways to divert people from getting into the system in the first place, and care on the streets is number but you're one. But you're not going to divert people that have serious offenses. You know that. You, yeah, no one, that has, is, no one has ever – no one in this no, country is – No, the studies is... show otherwise, Sheriff. The studies show if but, you treat people in the community – they can live in the community and not come to jail. There are studies it, after studies. Absolutely, about, so absolutely. As, as the mental health community is an otherwise law-abiding community as long as the delivery system is intact. And the studies will show that in most jurisdictions across this country that they may, they, it's, it's very cyclical of, of when it's intact or not, especially their me- their medication delivery system alone, which is the lowest hanging fruit of the entire system, and we can't get that right. But we you could. take them with – you take money, inmates but... you take inmates with all their – yeah, but you're doing this on, on a whim, on a hope and a prayer. That's not a strategy because no, we're, we have, we're we have not, we have not been able to – Council to move forward to put that money where it belongs. But you can't. We don't even have you, the option of doing that right now. If I have to build this and, jail, so and you're that's all and I'm you're trying to do and, is what my community asked me to do, sheriff. That's it. And and you're in 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 your heart of hearts, you're willing to put more victims at risk by by doing this, knowing that they're not that 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 part of the community uh, of the not-for-profit world and otherwise, they're not in a position to receive those kind of inmates. Uh, you know it. The, I know it. Everybody knows right it. now. So we start right – I'm the de facto, just like you were, I'm the de facto uh, mental health system in the city until we do something else. We take this money and put that – put our money where our mouth is. People always talk about the third floor at Charity. That no longer exists. The number of mm-hmm. beds at UMC does, that is not the same number yeah. of beds as what At one time there. it was we over 200. We've got to get the, put those resources back and take me out of the business as much as possible – um, that's what I'm fighting for. Now, if I lose, we're going to move right forward. But I can tell you that is going to be a problem with our staffing level. So the, the salaries had better come up so that we can uh, try and get more deputies in here. So what do, what do you say to folks about the, the hotel room controversy? All right, we got to get to a break. 504-260-1870 on the Oakland Heart Jewelers talk and text line. We will try to reconnect with uh, Sheriff Susan Hudson. Stay with us. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Welcome back. We're visiting with Sheriff Susan Hudson, uh, the Orleans Parish Sheriff. Uh, Sheriff, welcome back. Um, What do you say to detractors about this hotel controversy? Well, first of all, my apologies. I hit hit a wrong button there. No, no, no. I I said, no, no, that's not a problem. Thank you. Okay. Well, this is what I'll say about that. Uh, What upsets me the most about it is it's overshadowing the hard work of the men and women of this department. When we jumped in with six weeks before Mardi Gras, Sheriff, we were asked to come on and get 400 more deputies and officers on the street, and we did that, and our team showed out. We chased down the one shooter on the the parade route, and, and this little bill is overshadowing the hard work of the men and women of this department. And no taxpayer funds went to it. There was no wrongdoing, no unethical conduct. I wasn't there. It wasn't it, – there's just a lot of nothing here. Uh, and it just um, – it's overshadowing that hard work. So, so I, that's the and, thing I and think look, about I, the most. I, I, I sang your praises for pulling that together on behalf of Mardi Gras, and I know the public appreciates it. But you went through multiple iterations in, in the explanation of how that was going to be paid. And uh, you yeah. can't help but admit that, right? And, and well, no, brought... <laughs> no, we had the members of the community wanted to pay for that. The media called them so much. It scared them. And he, one guy even got sick that stressed him out and made, made him sick. And he dropped out. Others wanted to come in. I said, don't do it. Don't yeah, but do it. Originally, do originally you were originally you were paying for that out of your funds. Yeah. And when and when it became evident that that might be a problem. Then it was the citizens, and now you've we paid it out of what up. you call the OPSO special, special Project Fund. You do realize that any time that you take control of money and you deposit it in any of your accounts, it is now public money. Public, but not and, taxpayer. Uh, what? That's a difference are, for me. That's a difference are, for me. It's a, oh, it's a difference for you? I mean, That's right. you know. <laughs> You get money a bunch of different ways, fines and fees, this, that. Um, the, you know, the money, the money comes from you in, in any number of ways. Uh, there were taxpayers that actually probably bought some stuff in your vending machines. So I, I don't know that you oh, want to draw maybe. that distinction. You know, as, as Shakespeare said, a rose is a rose by any other name. The legislative auditor says it's public funds. And when it's public funds, there are rules of who can pay and how you can pay. You know that. I know that. I think you're misleading the public by, by trying to draw a distinction between a taxpayer fund and a public fund. Taxpayer funds are public funds. They're all synonymous. Well, you know, I, I want to push back on that because the OIG writes this really? report, and they, I didn't even get a chance to see the report. I wasn't asked anything about it. Nothing, none of that. You would, you would respect, you would want to be respected and given that report so you could respond to it. 
Um, but when they found well, out, I wouldn't have had I wouldn't have had to respond to any changed. of it because I wouldn't have done it. it. I would I wouldn't have done any of this. I mean, I managed Mardi Gras for a long, long time and never, well, not once, sheriff, uh, not once, purchased and all a hotel. Sheriff's offices, including yours, underwent scrutiny and investigations. All of them have. Um, but sure this is have. much to do about nothing. It's about nothing. And so the. Um, this account, which existed before I got into office and has been utilized for similar things, uh, is an account that is, you know, we as a sheriff's office, you, you get funds from different parts, uh, as you said, from different uh, sources. You don't commingle all those funds together. So um, we're doing a good thing and having a separate account for these funds, and um, we're using them judiciously, although it's not a very large account. Well, you stick to your guns on trying to draw a distinction between a taxpayer fund and a public fund, and I will just make this one prediction. It will not bode well for you. <laughs> I'm just telling I'm, you that for your own best self-interest. For your own best self-interest. Sheriff, I'll give, I'll give you the final word. Um, as always, i got to go back to uh, thanking the, the hard work of the men and women of this department. We're way understaffed everywhere, but they just, they just show up in a mighty way, and I'm grateful for that. And then just want to remind everybody, our 49th annual Sheriff's Thanksgiving celebration is next Thursday, Thanksgiving Day, uh, from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. in Hall G of Morial Convention Center. Uh, and we're going to have a lot of food. And if you're in need of a good meal or you want to come help us, please Please come on down. We're going to have great acts, great food, uh, and a great time. It, it always is. And, Sheriff, I would echo your comments about the men and women of the OPSO. Uh, they make a lot of sacrifices. They work very hard. And there's no doubt that, they're do, that they are worthy of the $2 an hour increase. Um, it, it's one of the hardest places to work in law enforcement is in a jail. Uh, and I've said that yeah, throughout, my entire, throughout my entire career. And to be the warden of a jail, and I don't mean, you know, by having this conversation to minimize that this is easy. It's not easy. A lot of the observations I made was is as a result of wins, losses, uh, yes. mistakes, and yes. otherwise over a 40-year career because uh, it, it, it is tough uh, to manage a jail on a good day. and. Unfortunately, there are not a lot of good days. Uh, there's always something happening. Thank you so always much for joining us sure. today. Uh, really appreciate it. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving event, and you and your family, a wonderful Thanksgiving. Same to you, Sheriff. I uh, wish you the same, and I hope I can come back and talk about some of the good things, initiatives we have coming forward uh, at a later date. Any time you would like to, we will bring you on. Okay. Thank you, sir. Have a great Thanksgiving. Thank you, Sheriff. Have a good day. We'll be right back, folks. Stay with us. What do we have coming up, Scoot? All right. The city of, in Wisconsin says they're going to ban red and green colors for Christmas. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.